Hello, this is Avery Leifer, Chief Customer Officer from InfoStretch with another episode of DTV. Today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Hap Klopp. Hap is probably best known as the founder and CEO of North Face through its explosive growth over the years, and now is a writer, an author, a board member, and a professor, and in his spare time enjoys uh, watching his grandchildren play soccer. So, Hap, welcome to DTV. Thank you, Avery. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, you, you've seen a lot of transformations. Right. And what's, you know, what's special this time? And when did it become obvious to you? And you, you kind of operate in two fields, business and sports. When did it become obvious to you in each of those fields how big of an impact it was going to have? But that's a broad question. But going, going to the first part, what is really different now is this is not a small sine wave. Because many of the things I've seen, take the North Face, and we used materials from the Vietnam War and applied technology to a commoditized field, which was camping, revolutionized it. We were then able to apply uh, Gore-Tex to that. When tent sales slowed down, we used the technology that Bucky Fuller had created, and we worked with Bucky to create a, a geodesic tent and revolutionize that. But those are, were smaller elements. What, what's different right now is this is part of the digital revolution. And the digital revolution is replacing the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. So this is a very high level of change which is happening. And so it is not just a small segment that's being impacted. It's, it's impacting how people engage with products and services and whatever. So so that's there. How do you, how do you know it's... Yeah, I mean, usually there's like one day where you all of a sudden say, oh my God, this is huge. What was that day? And, and, and more importantly, like other people that you deal with, when did it become obvious? When did you see the kind of light go off for them? In, in terms of where digital is hitting retail, which is one of the areas I focus on, it, it's coming out of a concern. Everybody thinks bricks and mortar is going to die, so that suddenly now we're looking at things. People who wouldn't even give you the time of day. Existential crisis. Right. Suddenly, oh, my God. But the only time change happens is when you have a crisis. It never really happens until that. And so what I saw as the pivoting point with respect to the digital revolution involved in retailing of, of clothing, garments, uh, you, you name it, any of that, is when companies started closing down. They started closing down because, in one case, they weren't very good, but in the other case, they weren't competitive. The alternative forms of communication, of delivery, all were driving them out of business. And when you saw them going out of business, I know more people are buying. Yeah. And if you look at the numbers, you can see more is being consumed. But you see stores closing, told me, it's, it's here, it's real. And then if you look at some of the, the reactions, like, you know, Toys R Us, I mean, yeah. is, there, is there a way to turn some of these around, or is it just, it's just time to move on? Oh, definitely. I, I'm not so sure their idea of crowdfunding is addressing the, 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 the high-level issue. The real issue? Yeah. <laughs> As I was telling you, it's, it's re rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Mm -hmm. To be successful, and whether Toys R Us or any of the retail, what you have to do is realize that digital is not a channel of sale. Mm -hmm. Digital is actually a way of engaging the customer. And what you have to do is when you've lost out, and it's I certainly don't read the news. You know, if, uh, if Jesus were to walk on water today, the word is Jesus can't swim. But this is kind of the same way. When bricks and mortar are dead, nobody's going to be successful. There are stores that are very successful, 
and they're ones that are going out of business. If you think of Apple, how they deliver, yeah. but they, they are addressing a basic need that exists in, in the consumer's mind. Bricks and mortar retail, they have some real problems because originally, and think shopping centers, but if you think about it, they were providing convenience, easy shopping, generally a, a broad selection of goods. Uh, they were providing some security in terms of going out there. Well, all of that online is a lot more and a lot better. You can shop any hour of the day. You can do price right. comparison. You, you get a wider range because you're, you're tapping that whole thing out there. So the, the retail has to come about to, to realize that one, you have to change what you're offering. You have to go to experiential, actual activities that people have. And Toys R Us could do it or others. In shopping centers, you need to put in health and wellness gyms. Westfield is putting in something called Italy, which is an Italian uh, food source, but it's like going to a farmer's market that exists mm -hmm. in there. They're getting 3,600 people a day. Something like a climbing gym brings in anywhere from 100,000 to 250,000 people that mm -hmm. have to be there. So instead of putting side-by-side musacnus, that you don't even know when you go to these places. What you have to do is provide a product. And there's a second thing, which is now you have to say, how do I apply digital to what I'm doing in right. the store? And digital can, can, one, create experience. You can do projections inside. You can do entertainment. You can do wayfinding, finding for people. But you can do things like facial recognition. There's a, a plan afoot right now, one of the uh, airports, where they're going to have facial recognition, and it's going to change the ads because the ads are all digital. Mm -hmm. As you come by, you're going to get something different than my wife will get. They will. This do, minority report being delivered. It, it, it absolutely, and so you can adjust it. Same way you can do A/B test. You do A/B tests online in a store. They set something up for three months, and if it doesn't work, oh well, numbers are bad. We'll see you in three months. You've got to go digital, and things can change quickly. You also need to learn some of the same things like name capture that you can get online. You can do it. If you put an iPad in, and one of the companies I work with did this test, we put iPads into 7-Elevens. 30% yeah. of the people who came in, there was a prompt to do it, 30% of the people left their name and their data. Hmm. And this is 7-Eleven. I'm yeah, not, not exactly not, a high-touch... I'm not uh, talking about Cartier or something. Yeah. And, and so, so you can capture some of that. In addition, you can use motion sensors in other ways. So you can find out where people are going. You, you can do uh, sensors in the floor. You can find out the traffic patterns, and you can adjust your, your product or your layout for that. You can staff according to that. You also can tell whether people are picking something up and putting it back down or not. Now you're using all the same things of artificial intelligence or whatever that have been to date just sort of ascribed to online. So it's take digital, yeah. use digital, embrace the fact that an omni-channel customer, omni-channel being somebody who buys online, maybe catalog, and in retail stores, buys 40% more than somebody who only buys through one channel. Okay. So what you're trying to do is get that omni-channel customer. Now, it, it addresses an issue which I, this is one of my theories, and everybody has theories, you know, but this, this one I think is true, and that is, I call it the arc of power. And that is that over time, different people, different companies, different ideas dictate what you buy in retail. Historically, the manufacturers had all of it. Think of Henry Ford. You have a car any way you want it, it's gonna be black. And his idea was get a lot of capital, amass it, be able to produce in volume so you can get it to the masses and sell it. Mm -hmm. But inherent in his idea was one, 
make one style. Over time, the power shifted, shifted to the retailers. And the retailers interpreted, if they didn't like what the manufacturers made, they'd have private label. They'd start choosing the hours, they'd expanded the location, but still, they wanted to limit the offering because they had a long supply chain, mm-hmm. forecasting was difficult, they didn't want closeouts. Yeah. With the advent of the web, the power is all shifted to the consumer, or shifting to the consumer. And the consumer believes they can get what they want, when they want it, at what price they want it. And so what they want, which hasn't been offered before, is they want variety and they want change. And the retailers are going to have to adapt to that. And Zara has done something called fast fashion. I would call it, you know, fairly fast fashion. You're going to have to be a lot faster than that in the future to be able to do it. But retailers are going to have to adapt to that. They're going to use technology in terms of, of digitization within the store, capturing the data, doing projection. And then what they have to do is not have internecine warfare between divisions of the company. I was going to ask you, if this is so simple, why isn't everyone just doing it? Right. It is because you have an internecine warfare. If you go inside these companies, let's say retailing companies or whatever, or you go into brand companies, most of them have silos. And one silo is digital and digital, everybody thinks, is e-commerce. Another silo is IT, and they can't stand the marketing people in digital because they don't know what they're doing. And another one is bricks and mortar, and those people not only don't go out to lunch together, they view the other as enemy. Well, we're seeing in some um, customers as as the rise of a chief digital officer or a CTO reporting into marketing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of like technology is too important to be left to the technologists. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that it's, it's both that and the recognition across the company of how important that is. Right. If it's just somebody and they're a vice president or, you know, and a new vice president, because usually the, the digital is, is youth and just out of school, it's easy for the old school to, oh, they don't know and they don't, don't, they don't have the history we have. When they yeah. get to be my age, they'll really be valuable. When they get to be their age, they're not there. <laughs> It's very obvious that there's a product life cycle that exists over time. And the hard part inside a company is convincing somebody who's in the reaping stage that you're going to actually take money from them to invest in uncertain new ideas or technology. They keep going, I'm, I'm keeping the doors open, and you're just throwing it away. Well, how do you do that at North Face? I mean, this is, when you talk about being a digital problem, right. it's not a digital no, problem. No, it's, it's, it's a problem of anything. Systemic, new. yeah. right. And yeah. so how do you deal with that at North Face? Because you had to have dealt with that all the time. What, what we would do is we had a, a long-range plan that we called it every two years where we'd get people together to talk about what we're going to do for the next two years. It was about branding, because I'm really big on brand, and the idea was to make sure everybody who was new knew what the DNA of the company was before we went anywhere else and get people there. And then secondarily was to get people buying off on what the direction was going to be. We, we said it was for five years, but in today's world, two years is about it. But you, yeah. you do five years because you're sort of making directional investments, mm-hmm. but two years is really what you're going to do. But in doing that and going through that whole process and then bringing people in from the outside, speakers, consultants, professors, people who are futurists, people can talk about trends happening out there, you're getting everybody up to about the same level at the same time. Now, at the end of the meeting, if we put everything together, invariably what I would say is, I hope that we were so clear in what we're doing that some of you leave the company. I said, not because you aren't great people, the reason you're here is we think you're great people and hired you, but if you have ideas that differ from what we're doing, that's going to divert us from what we're accomplishing. So we're, we, if you want 
put your ideas in and they're different ours we'll help you find a job somewhere else yeah. but this is what we're going to do and have you have you used a similar technique with companies that you're involved with now? Yes. You say, look, you're trying to get real change. Get everyone in a room and yeah. be clear. And if you if you either sign in, sign on the the exit paperwork, or, or sign on for the vision. Yeah, you have to. To be very honest, the the companies and, and not as many are run by dogmatic people anymore because the, there's more of this collegial attitude that are being taught in school, which has its own faults, I might add. But the dogmatic one is people say, "I know the best way. I'm going to tell you how to do it." Yes. The, the reaction to that is it doesn't get done. Yeah. And and they think it's getting done because nobody's arguing with them in the room. But the reality is they aren't making that progress. So you have to incorporate people into that. You have to explain to them there may be a point in a crisis where you're going to have to have top-down decision-making and you don't have time to do it. However, let them know why you're doing it. Don't just say you're going to do it. Then you have to have people looking forward. I, I often describe my role now as a consultant but also as a manager of a company is to be able to see over the hill. That right. Day to day, you, you have to deal with the real problems because yeah. if you don't get a certain number of widgets to the door at the end of the week, you got a problem. Or if you don't bring enough customers in, you got a problem. Or or if you don't get the financing, or if the roof collapses, yeah, yeah, which is done story. to me. Yeah, I know, yeah. but, but those are very pragmatic. But those can take you down. In fact, the whole Completely. company feels those. Are 2007, 2008, when you had the economic crash. I don't care how good you were. It, it, yeah, it was yeah. there. It was a downdraft. Yeah, 21% interest rates at one point when I was running the company. And we had a strategy of high growth where we were borrowing money. So part of what you need to do is be able, because you've studied or because you surround yourself with people that have some view, is when people are down in the troughs, you have to be able to look over the hill to explain to them what it's going to be like when you get out of that. And conversely, when everything's frothy and going in yeah. there, you've got to be able to look over the hill pull and, them back down, and pull them back down to say there's a product life cycle, there's yeah. an industry life cycle, there's a channel life cycle, so that they can balance it out. And I try to do that so that you have a level-headed approach to it that people aren't surprised and at the same time they're prepared for whatever the challenges are going to be that are out there.